Neither of the women who mentored me expected that I would be little mini-me's of them. You know, they were always pointing me to something greater, which is Christ. They weren't saying, be a follower of me. They were saying, be a follower of Christ. And they were showing me that way, but by no means did they expect that I would be like them. That wasn't the goal. They were just pointing me. Um, it's kind of like John the Baptist, you know, he must become greater, I must become less. And I think that's the goal of every spiritual mentor in our lives. Welcome to the Crossway Podcast, a show where we sit down with authors each week for thoughtful interviews about the Bible, theology, church history, and the Christian life. I'm Matt Tully, and today I'm talking with Melissa Kruger. Melissa currently serves as Director of Women's Initiatives for the Gospel Coalition. She's also an author, and her latest book is Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests from Crossway. Today, Melissa and I discuss the importance of mentoring relationships for all Christians. She reflects on her own experiences learning life-changing lessons from older women, highlights some of the core aspects that should be in place in every mentoring relationship, and shares advice for overcoming the imposter syndrome that so many of us feel when it comes to helping others follow Christ. Let's get started. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining me today on the Crossway Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to be here. As you think about your own life and think uh, back into the past, is there a mentor who stands out in your mind when you think about your journey towards understanding the importance of mentoring relationships for your life as a Christian? Yeah, there are actually two. And I'm so thankful because they were two very different types of mentoring relationships. Um, When I first started really walking with the Lord was in high school. And I was at a large public high school and there was a Christian teacher there. Um, Her name was Tracy Moore. And she ran a fellowship of Christian athletes at the school. And it was pretty amazing when I look back on it, because like I said, I was at this large public high school and yet that FCA had such a big impact on the school at large. I mean, my soccer team We prayed before every single game. And again, this is a public school. Um, And so she had this amazing impact. And it was, it was, it was in a lot of ways because she was already there as a teacher. So kids knew her well um, because she was on campus every day and she wasn't coming in from some other place. She was there. She knew the students. And, um, and I found myself, I got to know her even my freshman year, my brother would drag me to FCA. I didn't really want to go. And um, then slowly, I started really enjoying it. I got to know her. And then by my senior year, I would kind of go up in her um, classroom at lunchtime, and we would just chat, you know, and, and ha- she, and she was just such an example of she just lived her Christian faith in her job as a public school teacher. And she gave us advice all the time, which was so good and so wise. Um, but we were all this whole group of us were were all just so attracted to her because she really cared about her students and she still cares. She's still teaching. um, And she is an amazing teacher and just cared for kids so well and loved them who they were with the gospel. And it was great. It was great to see. And then when I went to college, um, my intervarsity staff worker, Deanne Deese, now Deanne Trollinger, um, she met with me every single week for three years and we would study the word together. And so it was a more formal relationship in some ways because we met every week and we had our time and we 
ate at the same pizza place for about three years, but both women um, just invested in me a love for God's word, a love for God's people, and a love for the church. And they just left their mark on me in some profound ways. I'm so thankful for both of them. Mm. Well, and I'm struck by hearing you talk about those two women. And as I think about my own life and think about conversations I've had with other Christians as well, um, I'm struck that oftentimes it seems like some of the most significant mentors in our lives are are um, people who aren't part of our family and aren't our, even our parents. And I wonder, even even for those Christians who grew up in a strong Christian home, and it's it's probably impossible to overstate the significance, the positive benefits that come from uh, growing up with parents who love the Lord and who point us towards Christ and the gospel and God's word. But is there something to that, that there's a unique importance to mentoring relationships that that aren't your parents? I think absolutely. In fact, it's one of the things I really prayed for, for all of my kids, is that they would have mentors outside of my husband and myself. Like we, we hoped to, in some sense, instill in them, you know, a love for God's word and his people in the church and all these things. But I also recognize you need Christians and, and who are in some ways, maybe even a little closer in age, um, who perhaps haven't known you since you were born mm. <laughs> and who can round out, you know, your, your Christian experience. Um, Mike and I, my husband, we have one, one Christian kind of experience we're giving them, but I, I do think it's good to hear from people who have come from other backgrounds and from other, um, kind of, you know, they grew up in a different church, you know, and it kind of expands my kids, even understanding of the the church at large, you know, they saw one little slice of it in, in the church they grew up in. Um, and so what's been wonderful to see is um, the Lord opened those doors. In fact, my, my daughter has been mentored so well by a ministry here in town. It's actually a soccer ministry and they work with um, various immigrant communities who have moved in because soccer is kind of a universal language internationally. And so they really invest in communities. And my daughter got really involved with that in high school. And those, those women mentored her, even as she was serving um, in that ministry. And it was wonderful to see. It was such an answer to prayer, but she just needed, you know, I, I think they just need a place that they can talk and probably sometimes even talk about me. <laughs> like I, I need help with my mom. Yeah. I mean, but she, I, I want them to have that space um, where they can, they can go and talk to other people um, about faith and life. And it should be both in our family and outside of our family. I think that's a really healthy thing. Mm. So you've kind of get at got at this then already uh, in talking about the two relationships that you've had that kind of loom large in your mind and even your daughters. I think one question people might have often is what should a mentoring relationship actually look like? And it seems like you're saying there's probably different types of relationships that are all valuable in different ways. But would you say there are some core aspects uh, that need to be in place for a mentoring relationship to truly be uh, a real mentoring relationship? We need friends to walk alongside of us and enjoy life with. What I like to say about a mentoring relationship is typically it's someone who's been in the faith longer, um, coming along someone who's maybe newer in the faith and helping them grow in their relationship with Christ. And I think one really important thing about that is neither of the women who mentored me expected that I would be little mini-me's of them. 
you know, they were always pointing me to something greater, which is Christ. They weren't saying, be a follower of me. They were saying, be a follower of Christ. And they were showing me that way, but by no means did they expect that I would be like them. That wasn't the goal. They were just, they were just pointing me. Um, it's kind of like John the Baptist, you know, he must become greater. I must become less. And I think that's the goal of every spiritual mentor in our lives is that they're pointing us to Christ, understanding that the way our faith leads us may look differently. Not everyone's going to be a teacher in a public high school. Not everyone's going to be a minister on a college campus. You know, they, they didn't expect that I would become like them. Um, rather, they wanted me to become like Christ. And I think that's really vital in any mentoring relationship. Do you think that's a particular maybe danger or temptation that mentors can can face in a relationship to kind of try to mold the mentee in their own image? I think absolutely. You know, if we aren't holding really loosely um, to even our own call within the body, I think we can kind of think, oh, everyone should be a thumb like me or everyone should be the elbow. Everyone should be the foot. You know, and what what we see in scripture is such a beautiful picture of the body. And so when we really embrace, oh, the pinky is really needed, as is the kneecap, and as you know, all these parts are working together, when we really embrace that, one, we have a right view of both our importance and our insignificance, if that makes sense. The kneecap is completely and utterly insignificant if it's not connected to the body. However, connected to the body, it's completely and utterly significant. <laughs> so both things are very, mm, very yeah. true. Um, and so I think when we understand even that body mentality, we have a really different way of how we look at the people we're investing in and how we're being invested in. And that's really important because the head is Christ. And so we're all just serving our head. In, in some ways, we, we're all making that body work and we can really celebrate that beauty when we have a right view of what we're doing in mentoring. Mm. That's such an interesting, uh, important thing to emphasize. It makes me just think another way of saying that is that uh, even as as a mentor, as maybe I want to share things that I know, that, I, that I've experienced, that I've learned, uh, good wisdom that I have, there's a certain amount of humility that I need to always keep in my heart. I've got to keep myself in check um, because even though I might have things to share, I, I, I need to be careful in that. Absolutely. And that especially comes through in our practical lives. Like, you know, if you got married at 22 or if you got married at 33, it could be really tempting to kind of push someone in your mold because you could say, well, I'm so glad I got married at 33 because I learned so much during those years of singleness. Um, and you could maybe tell a 22 year old they shouldn't be getting married so young or things like that. Whereas really, yeah, you just have to look at each person as an individual and how the Lord's at work in their lives rather than trying to make their choices look like your choices. But yet you can celebrate what the Lord has done in your life and share that. But I think when it comes to those specifics, it's really good to hold back and say, what's the Lord doing in their life? And that takes a lot of prayer and humility, like you said, on the part of the mentor, um, really, really having that wisdom to step back and say, what is God doing in this person's life? Not what do I think God should be doing in this person's life? <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the subtitle of your book is Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests. And uh, you kind of alluded to that already in our conversation. What are you getting at with that kind of language? Yeah, well, and, and to be clear, 
prayer requests are great. <laughs> you know, we, yeah, we you're not anti-prayer. <laughs> we should definitely be praying for one another. Um, but sometimes I would even say the nature of our prayer requests can be very surface level and very small talk. You know, when we're talking about our great aunt's cat who's sick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's just a <laughs> level at which you're like, let's surely there's something going on in your life that we need to wrestle with more than you know, the pet of someone you haven't seen in 20 years or something like that. So it's but, not that um, those things might not be valuable or important, but just that there's other things that are getting left out. Surely. Yes. I mean, yes, there have to be deeper things going on in our lives. Um, then, then kind of these surface things that sometimes, um, we can spend a lot of time talking about. I would even say, the busyness that, you know, we kind of talk about a lot of times. I know sometimes I sit down with women and there's this whole list that comes out when you ask, how are you doing? And it's, even though it is what's going on in their life, it's still the surface of what's going on in someone's life. So the question is, how do we get to what are some of the root issues that might be causing the stress in our life or that might be causing a maybe mis- guided perspective about what's going on in our life. How do we get past what's happening in my life to how do I grow in my faith in this life I have? Because everybody's life is, I think, legitimately busy and there are hard things and there are struggles. Um, And those are real. I'm not saying those aren't real, but sometimes we can spend all of our time on, on the outer things that we never get to the inner things of the heart. Um, and so my, my hope in this book is to help provide that pathway to get there, um, with, without it being awkward. Cause sometimes you're like, Oh, can I go there? Can I go that deep with this person? Or do we just want to stay on the surface? And so I think sometimes by saying, we're going to do this book together, you've both bought in, you both said, yep, we're going to go here together. We're going to talk about real things together. And that there's a lot of freedom in that. So I think that's something that probably most of us, um, want on some level we want that that type of close and transparent and open type of relationship where we can just be ourselves we can really share what we're feeling what we're struggling with where we don't feel guarded but i think for most of us it's also feels very difficult to get to that point or maybe elusive maybe we had that in a relationship once but we don't have it now and it's like how do i how do i get back to that is is there a core key or a core mentality that is that has to be there to allow two people to kind of arrive at that place? Or what would you say about um, what it takes to actually get there? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say the root of any honest, open friendship has to be the gospel. And what I mean by that is there has to be a right understanding that each of us is fallen and each of us has sin in our lives. And that has to actually be seen as the reality so that then it's not so shocking each time I'm sharing about my sin, if that makes sense. There has to be this basis of, yes, I am a sinner, and yes, there is grace in Christ, um, so that there's that freedom because there's no condemnation now for me in Christ. But if I'm feeling condemnation from this person, well, then that's 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 not going to be rooted in a gospel friendship in, in some sense. So it's got to be this understanding that, you know what, you aren't where you're supposed to be. It's got to be more than a friend who's just our cheerleader in some sense. You know, it's it's got to be an, uh, both people having the right understanding. I am not 
all that I can be in Christ that he, but he is making all things new. And so there's gotta be this hopeful, um, hopeful view of, you know, I'm not stuck in who I am, but yet the Lord can really change me and really grow me and make me new, but that's going to be a process. So, you know, we're going to have to walk with each other in our sin, but that has to be a willingness to admit I'm a sinner and a willingness that we're going to both be patient in that walk with one another, that, that we're not going to expect perfection after one conversation with each other either. So I, I think to have that kind of soft place to fall, there has to be this sense of we both really understand, or especially maybe even the mentor understands the gospel, that Christ is at work in this person, but they are not yet all they will be. But he, by his spirit, can change them. And that's that's good news. But it's going to be by his spirit. It's not going to be by my perfect advice. It's not going to be because I do everything right when I talk to this person. You know, if I'm mentoring a younger woman, her growth isn't happening because of me. It's happening because of the spirit. And so that understanding that it's God at work in a person's life that will change them and grow them. I think is probably needs a necessary ingredient to understand in any true spiritual mentoring relationship. Hmm. So kind of along those lines, then, would you say it's important for both the mentor and the mentee to be kind of sharing honestly from their own life and asking for prayer and just sharing what they're struggling with? I think, you know, I can think of a couple of relationships that I've had in my life where you know, this person was, was mentoring me and they were giving me really great advice and pointing me to the gospel, pointing me to the Bible. And yet they never really shared, uh, at least what seemed to me honestly about things that they were struggling with. And I think that that made it harder for me to want to open up to them. So do you think there's an element where there should always be a back and forth or, or should it be at times, is it appropriate for the mentor to kind of just be the, the person with sort of uh, the right the right answers? I absolutely think there needs to be the back and forth. Um, you know, any woman I mentor, I want them to know up front, you're not getting perfection over here. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I do think it just brings those walls down. Um, you know, it's funny. My The first book I wrote was on envy and contentment. And just yesterday, I was talking to a friend struggling with envy, and it's just embarrassing in some ways. I've spoken on this topic for 10 years. You know, I, I've, I, I, I know it's a problem, you know, and I, I speak about it all the time. And yet here I am. I, I'm, I'm, I'm still struggling. And we have to be able to, to realize as women who mentor other women, we are still needy of grace. You never graduate from your need of grace. So therefore they need to hear that you're still going to the same fountain you're telling them to go to. I still need Jesus. I'm never going to not need Jesus. And the more that they can see, oh, she messes up too, but she knows to where to go when she messes up. She goes back to Jesus and she repents and she returns. And in some ways, that's what the Christian life is. It's this continual repentance, this continual turning back to Christ, remembering that he's the fount of all goodness. And I, I, I'm going to be doing that until I go home to heaven. You know, this walk is a complete continual battle with the flesh. And I think they need to see not perfection, but that we're in the battle with them and that we're, we may be a little farther along, 
in that battle, but it, it's just, it's just positional. We're still in the battle with them. And I think that opens up that honesty and that ability to, to really share your hearts with one another. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So what's the right balance between structured time together, like, like sitting down and we're going to read our Bible every time we're going to pray together and we're going to you know meet for an hour a week versus kind of a more unstructured, informal way of uh, building that relationship? Is, is one better than the other or preferable? What I would say is helpful for any mentoring relationship where you're kind of naming it that, if that makes sense. Like you're actually saying, if you go to someone and say, will you mentor me? Or if you're the older woman and you're saying, would you like to be mentored? What I, what I think is helpful to have um, are clear parameters for that relationship. And the reason I think that's so helpful is so that you don't fall into both of you having different visions of what you thought the time was going to look like, and then you both end up being disappointed. So I do tend to say, hey, can we walk through this curriculum together? Can we do this book together? And give really clear expectations for how often we'll meet. Will we meet once a week? Will we meet once a month? Will we meet for an hour and a half? Will we meet for one hour? You know, how much time we'll meet, when it will be. I actually go ahead and put it on my calendar so that we're not in this awkward relational. Is she supposed to check in with me or am I supposed to check in with her? (laughs) I I try to do all that on the front end so that um, it's really clear because I think the places where I think more women feel hurt in relationships is when expectations aren't met, but sometimes they just weren't communicated up front. So I really do think um, if you're going to have what I call a more formal mentoring relationship, we're actually calling it that, that that's really helpful. However, that being said, I also think it's completely good to just have relationships with older women in the faith who you admire and you can just ask for time with them when you can get it. It doesn't have to be formal. You can say, hey, can we go get coffee? I have some parenting questions I want to ask you. Or, hey, I know you've been in the working world all these years. Can we get together and you talk about how you share your faith in your work environment? You know, I mean, I think I think we can get mentored in a lot of different ways. I, I really never want to say there's a one size fits all because every person's different and our time is different. Um, so I think it's really good to even start maybe with a couple of those coffees before you ask for something more formal, like, Hey, could we do this once a month? You know, I I would both feel it out and say, Hey, could we get coffee? I have some questions for you. Um, And if you're longing to be mentored, one thing I would say, come to that relationship with specific questions. You're asking that older person. Um, they probably, if there's someone that you're interested in knowing, they probably have friends. They, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the reality. They're not looking for someone to go watch movies with you know, mm. on, on the weekend, but if you, they're probably really happy to help you with your prayer life or with reading the scriptures or with how you choose a church or things like that. Um, they're very willing to, to give that time if they if they can even know specifically what it's about. But it's an intimidating thing to say, hey, will you mentor me? You're kind of like, well, what does she mean by that? Um, and so I do think having some structure is helpful. However, again, that being said, I think um, I'm a big fan of informal mentoring as well and just having relationships with people who are older and wiser in the faith. That's a huge blessing in anyone's life. Yeah. So what would you say to the person who, 
uh, does have that desire to be mentored in some way. Maybe it doesn't have all of those specifics figured out right now, but they just have the sense that I really would love an older woman to walk alongside me and help me in my Christian life and how I think about things. And maybe they've never had that before. No one's ever reached out to them and offered that. What is it? Uh, what does it look like for that person to then start to pursue a mentor? That's a great question. Um, I, I usually do tell people, start with, hey, could we get coffee? <laughs> um, because that's a lot less intimidating than, hey, will you be my mentor? And yeah, because here's, here's the reality. I would tell any younger woman wanting to be mentored. Older women don't feel like they know anything more than you do. That's the reality. It's It's... Sometimes you, I, I was just asked this past year to mentor someone and I, I have to admit, and I've written this book on mentoring and I was like, I have nothing to offer her. That was my first thought in my mind was I have nothing to offer her. Why does she want me to mentor her? So, so the older women in that equation don't feel like they are bringing much to the table often. I would say that that's, that's the reality. And that's what I've heard from a lot of older women. They're like, I don't know what she wants me to do with her, you know? And so they're intimidated too. That, that's one thing I would say. So going in with that understanding of um, they might not, they might feel completely unqualified. Um, they may look at their past and say, if she knew what was in my story, she would never want me to be her mentor. Um, and so they're, they're dealing with that, that reality too. But so that's why I think it's good to say, Hey, can we get coffee? And to come with some really specific questions for them that you're hoping to grow. And 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 then also to the younger woman, what I would say is make sure you want the right things from a mentor. Are you are you looking for someone who's going to point you to Christ? Are you looking for someone who is going to be willing to confront your sin? Are you really open for that? You know, are you are you really ready to be there? Um, and are you looking for someone who's going to push those places in your life that maybe need some, some work. Because if you're just looking for someone who's going to be your friend and just, um, kind of be there for you, I would say, look for a prayer partner, look for a friend. You know, I mean, those are very different things than I would say what you're hoping for, for a mentor. Um, and so I, I think we have to have the right expectation as we even go in and are looking for a mentor. And that's, that's tough because sometimes we just want a nurturing figure in our lives. And that's a good desire, but it's not necessarily a mentor. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really helpful um, distinction. And maybe speak a little bit then to the, the other category, the, the older uh, Christian woman who, who has been in the faith for a long time and does know her Bible and is is mature in the faith as far as she would kind of consider, um, but maybe struggles with that imposter syndrome that you were referencing before that you even acknowledge that you sometimes still wrestle with. Like, what would you say to that person? How do they uh, kind of move through that and still pursue other people to mentor? Yeah, the thing I'm constantly telling myself even is all I'm doing is standing beside. Um, in the book, I share an example of, I remember as a child, I remember my dad, um, when I was young, I came out and he was doing something I'd never seen him do before. And he was taking this young tree that was bent over and completely had been storm 
the storm had come through and had bent it over and he tethered it to a larger tree. And I asked him why I was doing that. And he said, oh, if you, if you tether it to this bigger tree, it's going to help it grow straight so it has time to strengthen. Um, and it's that image that I really keep in my mind when I think about mentoring. It's simply a tethering of two people together for a specific amount of time. Um, and, and, and that frees me because I'm standing beside the person, but I'm not the sun and I'm not the rain. I'm not making this younger person grow. I'm simply standing beside and offering the years of strength that the Lord has given me in some sense, the years that he's allowed me to thicken, so to speak, um, because he has grown me. That's what I'm offering to this younger person. So the reality is if you've been a Christian a year, you've got something to pass to the person who became a Christian yesterday. If you've been a Christian for three, four years, take what you know and pass it on to the person who's been a Christian for a year. And if you've been a Christian for 30 years, goodness, that's 30 years of walking with the Lord. Surely you have tons more than you even realize to pass on to these younger women. And so I think we all have to just kind of take a breath and say, oh, can I tell them about what Jesus has done in my life? Yes, I can do that. I can stand beside. I can stand beside and not have to have all the answers. I don't have to know how the canon was formed necessarily. I don't have to know all of church history, but I can tell them about the truths of scripture and what Jesus has done in my own life. And I can stand beside and I can be there. And when I, when I keep that image in mind, I'm a lot less intimidated um, by the concept of mentoring. Yeah, that is such a powerful image, that of two trees tethered together and um, that reminder that we're not, we're not responsible to make someone else grow and also have the freedom to say, I don't know. So how important is that? Just those, those three words, um, being willing to say, I don't know. I think it's important in every part of life. And, you know, it's, it's really funny. I mean, my husband is a New Testament professor, and um, so he clearly went as far as you can go in the study of the New Testament, in some sense, educationally. And I'll still ask him questions about the New Testament, and he'll, he'll quite, quite comfortably say, oh, I don't know. I'd have to do some research on that. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you're supposed to know everything about the New Testament. This is what you studied. And so there's a, but, you know, it's almost as though he knows enough to be really comfortable saying, I don't know. And it's kind of wonderful to see when we see leaders and things like that being able to say, I don't know. And I think there's a lot of freedom in that. So when this younger woman hears you say, I don't know, let's find out together then they understand, oh, I'm going to be growing all of my life. I mean, we're studying the infinite God of all the universe. Surely we all have something left to learn (laughs) because we're finite creatures trying to understand this infinite God who knows all and is all powerful and is all good. And yeah, you know, he, he's so great. We're going to spend eternity understanding him. And so when I think about it that way, it makes it really much easier to say, oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, And I I think there's a lot of freedom in that. And and again, it's just that humility that mentoring does not mean you know everything. It just simply means you're willing to stand beside. Mm. So what would you say to the person listening right now who, in theory, would love to be in this kind of a relationship, whether as a mentor or as a mentee, uh, but maybe just as they look at their life, they look at their family life and their work life and their church life, 
they just can't imagine how they would find the time to actually invest in someone like this or be invested in, uh, in like this in this kind of intense, intentional way. Uh, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And one thing I learned from from the woman who mentored me from my high school, Tracy, she just did it in the midst of her regular job. You know, she was available in the midst of her work. And one thing I realized, I was in the middle of um, raising, when I was raising three small children, you know, one, I felt like, who would want to enter into this mess during those years? Because my life feels like chaos. And I don't feel like I have any time. And um, these three young people want me all day long. And one of the most significant friendships in my life developed during that time with a younger woman who was single. And she actually loved coming into our home. And when my kids would see her, they would all yell and scream, Miss Angela, Miss Angela. And she was in the season of singleness and being a part of a family was actually a delight to her. And for me, I was in the season of, you know, talking two-year-old talk. And so she was in seminary at the time. And so for me, it was so great to have this friend to talk about ministry and theology with, and we would have these great discussions and it got me out of my mommy world, so to speak. Yet our, if you looked at our lives, there was no natural overlap. Um, she was a seminary student, she was single, and I was married with three young kids. And yet this wonderful relationship developed, even though um, the time wasn't necessarily there, but we just opened up our home. And she was in a small group Bible study in our home that we were already doing. She would come over for dinner often. Um, she would just be in our life. And she we didn't have formal sit downs. You know, regularly there were children crawling all over her or me when we were meeting. But um, there was just a desire to have real relationship with one another. And so it happened. And so one of the easiest ways I would say to do that is what are you already doing that you can invite someone into your life who's younger to do with you? So if you're already involved in a ministry, it could be serving in the nursery and you say, hey, let's do this together. And so then you have every week of serving there together and you get to chat while you're doing ministry together. If you're um, serving in some other way, if you're on the finance committee, asking another woman to come along and say, hey, would you want to do this with me? If you teach a Sunday school class to a, a other women, maybe having a younger woman who seems really interested come alongside you and help with even the logistics of it. It's in doing ministry that I've so often found younger women to mentor and vice versa. And so I would say, if you look around your life and say, what am I doing? And then invite someone in. It's a great way to find that space. Hmm. So speak to the husbands right now listening, or, or maybe the uh, significant others um, in maybe some of the women's lives who are listening right now. What can they do to help encourage and um, support women uh, in their mentoring relationships? Yeah, I, I would say one, just acknowledging the importance of it in your significant other's life, um, that they need relationships like this to help them grow. And one, I would say, first off, I would say, as you look at your wife, to, to know that the thing she needs um, is always going to be growth in Christ. That's the primary thing. Um, that's the root of all the things we think we need. We may think we need a break. We may think we need a day off. We may think we need rest. But I, I would say 
the more I have grown in the Lord, the more, the, and I, I hate to say this because it sounds so cold and hard, the more I have understood theology, the more freedom I have had in my daily living. Because um, it sounds kind of like this, you know, hard thing or whatever. But I, I just mean the more I understand how God is at work in the universe, the more I have a right understanding of scripture, the more I have right expectations of what life should be altogether. So I would say to any husband out there, the more you can encourage your wife to be growing in the Lord, um, that's going to bless your whole family. And that's going to be a blessing in her life. And um, encouraging to her to have time alone in the word and to have that time to be with other women who are spurring her on the faith. That's just a huge, a huge blessing um, to be able to encourage that in her life and to give her the space and time for that is a, is a really um, good thing and it will bless your entire family. Mm, yeah. All right. Maybe as uh, we come to a close here, what are three practical next steps that you would give to the person who would love to be mentored, but maybe just, again, doesn't know how to ask for that, how to start? What would be like the next three things they could do uh, to start down that road? The first thing I would say is to pray. Um, to pray that the Lord would give you eyes to see someone that you would even want to reach out to for coffee or things like that. So the first thing I would definitely say is pray and ask the Lord. Um, tell him your desire. It's a good desire. Tell him your desire to grow in him and, and ask him for someone to help you grow in the faith. Um, the second thing I would encourage you to do is look around at where you already are. Um, if you're in a Bible study or if you're in a small group in your church, um, look around and say, who in this world that I'm already in do I really look up to? Who do I hear wisdom coming from that really resonates with me? Um, who's a woman who I look at and say, wow, she really knows her Bible. And then the third thing I would do, so I'd pray, I'd look, and then I'd ask. Um, the third thing I do is I would I would ask someone, hey, could we get coffee and just start the relationship that way? Um, so really, those are three pretty simple steps. And most people, um, I think, have have space in their schedule for a coffee at some point. So I would pray, I would look, and I would ask. Those are the three. So what about then for the uh, the the woman who thinks that she could mentor someone else, who who thinks she could... Uh, reach out, what would be three practical steps for her? Yeah, you know, actually, I think they'd be the exact same. I would tell her, pray for someone to, to invest in. And then I would, again, look around her normal, her, her life. And the other thing I would tell an older woman to do is maybe look for a group of younger women who are friends together. Um, because I do think sometimes mentoring can be actually less intimidating when it's not one-on-one, -on -one, but maybe one-on-three or one-on-four, you know, because then it's kind of like you are taking this group along together. And I think that can be a really good thing. Um, so I would, again, look in your own world and maybe you have some younger women who are coming to your Bible study, or maybe you have some younger women who are in your um, co-ed small group or something like that. And then I would invite them into your life um, in some way, maybe have them over for a coffee or maybe have them over for dinner and just get to know them. Um, and that is a huge kindness in their life, just to have an older woman seeking them out. One, uh, an older woman at my church who's done this so well to me 
one thing she just, she looked at me after church on Sunday and all she did was say, Hey, how can I be praying for you this week? And it was such a kindness to me to, that she took the time to ask. Um, and then, and then she followed up with me and told me she'd been praying and it, it meant the world to me, just, just her, her pursuit of me. So again, I would, I would say pray and I would say, look around. And then I'd say, pursue, um, pursue, pursue other women. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for just sharing a little bit about your own experiences, uh, being mentored and as a mentor and just pointing us back to, um, the, the common ground that we all stand on in Christ and our common need for relationship and for growth. And, uh, just thank you for taking the time to talk today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great to get to chat about these things. That was Melissa Kruger on the importance of mentoring for the Christian life. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, Growing Together, Taking Mentoring Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests, available online or at your local Christian bookstore. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, would you leave us a review? That helps us spread the word about the show. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.